Well, dear church family and friends, this Lord's Day morning, our thoughts and focus will be on Matthew 24, 37 through 39 concerning the day of judgment, where God will judge the world in righteousness by Christ, by that man appointed. And much is said of the day of judgment in Matthew 24 and in the parables that proceed directly after it, and of course right throughout Holy Scripture. But perhaps one of the most standout features for me is its connection to how it was in the days of Noah. Indeed, such is its prophetic importance that it is mentioned again in Luke's Gospel. It's mentioned in Hebrews, it's mentioned in Peter, it's, it's often mentioned. And in Luke's Gospel 17.26, it's mentioned again where it says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And when scripture repeats itself, it's speaking to us, it's emphasizing and highlighting to us the importance just of this nugget here, the importance of it for us. Well, the question arises, what was it like in the days of Noah? Because really, that should take an interest to us. And will you and I be ready if such days were to come upon us soon? Perhaps we're even living in such days. Well, our text today says in Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39, But as the days, the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, Christ. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, looking at the sacred text from purely a surface level, we can say with all assurance that Christ's return will come incredibly suddenly. It will be very sudden, like a thief in the night, where the great vast majority of people will be completely unready. It will be unexpected, as it were. It will be like in the, the, the flood in Noah's day. It will be like the uh, days of Lot, where fire and brimstone came upon the people. It will be like lightning. It will come incredibly sudden, suddenly. No man will be able to tell the day or the time of Christ's return. No, not even the angels. Our great concern this Lord's Day is that you and I be found ready for that great and coming day of the Lord's return. Friends, we are living in a day of grace. We are living in a day of grace. There is yet time to be brought into the ark of God's salvation. The door is not yet closed, but it may be very, very soon, friends. That day may be closed incredibly soon, so please don't be found almost a Christian. Please don't be found just outside the door, as it were, with one foot in, one foot 
in the ark and one foot in the world, as it were. There are, I believe there are many, many in this, in, in this, in this state. You must be born again, says the Saviour. Your life must be completely dedicated to the Lord. Well, another striking feature of the days of Noah is that the fact that there will be an element of civility and common grace. There will be an element of civility and common grace. People will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. So please don't think that it will be all out anarchy. Uh, anarchy then, because it won't. You, you'll be thinking wrong then. Marriage is a good thing. It's an institution of Almighty God. So there will be a, an element of civility. People will still be drinking. People will still be marrying. People will still be giving their daughters in marriage and so, and so on and so forth. And so these things will still, still happen. But with that said, really, unbelief will be universally rampant at that time. Yes, the majority of people will be eating and drinking and giving in marriage and, and going about their daily business, as, as it were. But they will be doing so, really, without any thoughts or thanks to the Lord. And without any thought of the Lord and thanks. Their decision make their decision making won't be based upon what the Lord wants for them. I think we we as Christians must not mistake civility with godliness. Someone can be incredibly polite. I mean we Christians must be, you know, it must be said that we Christians, because of God's grace and mercy, must be the most civil and kind and so on. Yes, but we must not mistake civility and politeness for godliness, friends. You can be civil and polite towards your fellow neighbor and your fellow man, but you can be incredibly hostile towards your God. And often we, we, we see that. We can meet, meet people who are incredibly affluent and well-off, very kind and polite. And when you start to speak to them about their Savior and their sin, well, then they can be incredibly hostile towards you. So we must not mistake that. But we see here really that the majority of people will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving a marriage. There will be that civility, as it were, but it will not be towards the Lord. There will be no thoughts towards the Lord, no thanks towards the Lord. Unbelief will be universally rampant. And this continued suppression and removal of the truth of God within society and biblical censorship, as it were, within society at large will mean that sin will increasingly abound, as it says in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So you'll see um, increasingly when we're coming to the days of Christ's return, you'll see that many people, there will be a great falling away of true believers. Many people's hearts, Christians, professing Christians, as it were, they'll become cold in the Lord's service. They'll no longer be serving the Lord wholeheartedly, serving the Lord in his local church, the bride, as it were. There will be this coldness, there will be this falling away, as it were. As year and year goes by, there'll be fewer and fewer committed Christians, fewer and fewer people serving Christ 
privately in their homes, in the church of Jesus Christ, and how that outpours to society. There will be fewer and fewer people, as it were, serving the Lord. And this will not only be true of society at large, but this will be true of many who profess the name of Christ. As it says in, in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, except there come a falling away first. And that, what it's talking about in Thessalonians there is there will be a great falling away of true born-again believers. Oh yes, there'll be many nominal believers. Don't get me wrong. There'll be many shallow professions but there will be a great falling away of true, heartfelt, devout people serving the Lord, walking by faith like Noah did. A faith, a moving, acting faith, as it were. They will be uncommitted, like our brother Rod was preaching on Tuesday. They'll be sitting in their sealed houses when the, 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 the Lord's house is suffering, as it were. And they'll just be getting on with their own business, prioritizing domestic affairs, as it were, not wholeheartedly serving the Lord. And indeed, in the days of Noah, the corruption of mankind will reach a fever point. It will reach a great high point that even the difference between the Sethites, if you read Genesis 5 and 6 very closely, the Sethites, the generations that came from Seth, Enoch, Methuselah, the believing race, right? Genesis 5 and 6. Even the difference between the believing race of the Sethites and the, the unbelieving race of the Cainites, those who came from Cain, that will be wiped out. There will be very little distinction between the two, the, 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 the two races. There will be very little difference between the Sethites, those who are walking by faith in Christ, in his promises, the believing race to those of the Cainites, the unbelieving race. In other words, there will be no difference between professors of religion and worldlings, all barring one man, Noah. Just one man was left, basically, in those days, Noah. Genesis 6-2 confirms this very truth when it says that the sons of God, study that passage carefully, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all that they chose, they chose, they saw. You see, this is carnal thinking. This is not thinking by faith. Over time, through unequally yoked, careless marriages, ungodly alliances, through sensual motives, slowly but surely over time, the faith once delivered to the saints through compromise started to die out. There became no difference between the Sethites and the Cainites, as it were, over time. Only one man, Noah stood the test of time by faith, as it were. Only one man was walking by faith in Christ and in his promises, as, as it were. And beloved, I'm telling you now that nothing will serve more as a catalyst to the rapture than the falling away of true born-again believers, of true vital Christianity. This is what the old world saw in the days of Noah, and, and there's a twofold reason behind this, so please bear with me. Firstly, because the light of the world is going out. The light is going out. 
Christ said in Matthew 5.14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Yes, you, true born-again believer, that, that his heart is right with the Lord, who is trusting Christ alone. Ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And friends, we're living in such days where those cities are becoming no longer cities on the hill, they're becoming lampposts. There are more and more towns and cities, friends, where there's just a few lampposts, or maybe more, dotted here and there. It's become increasingly like that. When the light goes out, there will be very little light revealing, convicting, and checking sin and darkness. There will be very light piercing the darkness. The true gospel, gospel will be seldomly preached as it is now. The salt will lose its savour and influence. Shallow, non-offensive, very comfortable, not a nominal Christianity will take precedence. It's very telling of our day, isn't it? Christ himself spoke of such hypocrisy in our earlier reading when he said in Matthew 24, 48, and this, this, he's talking about this hypocrisy, you see. He says, and if that evil servant, he's talking about people who profess the name of Christ, but are not truly Christians. And if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. Look at that. You'll see people who profess the name of Christ, and all they'll do is be grumbling as it were. All they'll be doing is biting at the heels of the pastor and the elders. They'll be undermining the work of the faith, as it were. They won't be building up the church. They won't be, they won't be lights. They will be, they will be smiting their fellow servants, gossiping, slandering, as it were. And, if, and, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. They'll be worldlings. And the Lord and the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him. Such professors will be appointed a portion with the wicked and the hypocrites, friends. The second coming of Christ will usher in the worldwide hatred uh, of true Christians. And yes, not only by unbelievers, by, by, by many hypocritical Christians, professors. They will be hated not only because of their devout faith in Christ, but also because of their lifestyle. Because they do not want to go with the crowd on the broad way. They want to follow Christ on the narrow way. They dare to be a Daniel, as it were. Hypocrites hate to be shown their hypocrisy. And increasingly, the light and faith of true believers will, will manifest the darkness. True, serious godliness will be in free fall. And I believe that's been happening now for many years in the West. In such days, the remnant of true believers will be subject to much unjust gossip and slander by hypocrites. As Matthew 24.10 says, that many will be offended and shall betray one another. I mean, we're seeing that, aren't we? You know, I've been going out and preaching on the high streets for over 15 years in Wellington and Barnstable, right throughout the southwest. 
15 years ago, I used to have many more Christians that used to come up to me, encourage me, saying, go on, brother, keep, keep going. You know, don't, don't be put off by, by, by those things. I get far less nowadays. We get, we, in fact, we get most people who come up and start criticizing us are professing Christians. It's, it's professing Christians, nominal, liberal Christians. The true gospel and the preaching of Christ's righteousness will be greatly undermined, not only from without, but from within. Sexual and homosexual sin will be a telling feature increasingly before the judgment day. It will be rife. It will be rife in secular circles and it will be rife in ecclesiastical circles, in the church, as, as it were. Like in the days of Lot, like in the days of Noah. Ministers, fathers will be facilitating the marriage and giving in the marriage of their sons and daughters. Marrying and giving in the marriage of their sons and daughters. There will be a, a very light emphasis, and it, it, it bewilders me. It really does bewilder me. I'm not saying people who have made mistakes in the past and they're grieved over that. I'm not talking about that. But it grieves me to see the lightness of ministers and fathers who just give their daughters away and un, un, unequally yoked marriages or ministers who do not protect their congregations and preach the importance of marrying in the faith, as it were. Outside someone's salvation, that is the, the, the next most important decision of, from, the, from, the, from where you're born to the marriage, as it were. Because that will affect someone's ministry, that will affect uh, children, how you'll bring your, children, your ch children up. This will be a great feature when we're coming to the days closer to the judgment day. There will be this carelessness. Fathers, ministers, parents, as it were, there will be these many, well, you can, you can date around. No, no problem. Dating is, is completely unbiblical. Give them to the wolves, as, as it were. Those feministic, ungodly ideals. This will be rife, friends. And this is what's happening now. It's been doing so for years. Worldliness will become so rife within the church that the gospel must needs be completely watered down. As to not offend the majority of people who make up these worldly churches. There won't be a searching... Uh, gospel message they don't want to offend people they don't want to speak of the blood they don't want to speak of the cost they don't want to speak of these things they don't want to they especially not want to speak of biblical separation that's that's where we're headed friends there will be a hatred of true biblical doctrine we, we're seeing that now Oh, doctrine it divides it you know it's 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 there will be a hatred of these things. There will be a hatred of justification by faith in Christ, of biblical separation, of God's wrath of these things. There will be a hatred of, the, of these doctrines. There will be scoffers that say, where is the promise of his coming? As it were. Matthew 24, Revelation 13, and many other passages of Holy Scripture speaks of the great trickery and demonic deception that will be employed by Satan and his minions before Christ's return. 
There will be fire from heaven. There will be demonic miracles and signs. There will be an increase of false teachers and fallible prophets, as it were, who will elevate themselves to Christ-like status, drawing many people with them. And the whole point of all these things is to take people away from the patient faith in Christ and in his promises. And I think, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but I think it is no doubt to me that AI, the coming of AI, will be much used in this deception. You will see people's arms growing back. You will see these great illusions digitally. Many will be deceived by these things. AI is coming like a flood, dear friends, and it's rapid. There's going to be much deception, and many nominal Christians will just be swept away, and they'll put their trust in all these big names. Be careful about big names, friends. Be very careful. Make sure you're following Christ and his words, not the big names. Because the big names, often in an evangelical world, will lead you astray. I'm not saying that there are not any good ones out there, but be very careful that you're putting your faith in Christ and his words only. So there will be a great time of deception. In the days of Noah, we are told in Genesis 6-5 that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that the, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Well, this world has always lied in wickedness. We know that. This is talking and about an excess of wickedness, more than usual, more than ordinary, as it were. This is speaking about the universal prevalence an increase of open and daring sin. Because the light is no longer checking it, as it were. There will be open, daring rebellion against God. By individuals, by fathers, by mothers, by governments, as it were. Because the light has decreased and the darkness has increased. There will be this open, as it were, brash uh, uh, display of sin in Noah's day this brought about this was brought about spe specifically when the separation between the Sethites and the Cainites ceased read the text when the bulk amount of pressing, professing Christians ceased to be Christian in the faith, be warned, friends, that Christ is nigh at the door. When the light, when the light of the world decreases, the darkness increases. And that's what we see in the days of Noah. When those cities upon a hill start to become like lamps, like I said, friends, we are living in such days. Yes, there still might be much civility. With the, with the virtual extinction of the Sethites, faith, the light, true worship of God was no longer offered anymore. Darkness enveloped the world and it became full of corruption, apostasy and violence. Where we're told in Genesis 6-4 that there were giants, Nephilim, in the earth in those days. Men of renown, we are told. 
These men, dear friends, were tyrants. They were men like, not the Lamech that we've read about, the old Lamech, men of pride and reputation, as, as it were. Men, tyrants, violent men. And dear friends, who are the role models of our day? S- similar, similar men, action heroes, football stars, ungodly men. People are looking to the football stars. People are looking to these action figures, these brave, big. They're looking to the outward show of strength, as, as it were. It, it, it always surprises me how Christians can, can give their children over to these action movies, TV games, making them fans of football clubs, when all these, these role models are so ungodly, adulterers, blasphemers, ungodly men. But friends, this is the same now. Christians are doing this now. The majority are doing this. Luther says this was a time of might against right, of repine, lust, universal unbelief of the promise of God in the Saviour, as it were, of might against right, being governed by might, what I feel, my, my, my carnal, natural instincts, not the word of God, not the promise of God, not the covenant of God. And that's the second reason why God's judgment was upon the, the apostate old world, the ungodly world. Not only because of God's justice, because there's literally one man left, but also because of his faithfulness concerning his covenant promise of the Saviour. You see, friends, friends, I must say that the romantic days of the fair with a Christian are over. Those days are over. It's time to get on the dunghill, as it were, in like in the days of Nehemiah, on the dunghill gate. Families, if you read that passage in Nehemiah, they were serving the Lord. Time to get our hands dirty, as it were, despite what people will tell you. Serious born-again believers who are walking by faith in Christ, to me, seem to be getting fewer and fewer and fewer every year rapidly. The light is going out. And we see that across the UK and across the West. One could do a whole sermon series really on the day of judgment according to Noah and according to Lot and according to Christ's parables and according to Thessalonians, according to Revelation, Ezekiel, you name it. I could do what a series on, on this. And the main emphasis and theme will always remain the same. Readiness. Preparedness. Are you ready? There are other, don't get me wrong, there are other things But the main theme is readiness and preparedness. Are you ready for Christ's return or not? Have you been truly born again by the Holy Spirit of God? Have you been saved? Do you have the Spirit of God living and reigning in your life? The life of God in man, as it were. Have you become a new creature, new creation in Christ, where all things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Is Christ your life? Are you living for him? Are you walking by faith in Christ? Or do you still have one foot in the world, one foot outside the ark and one in 
You still haven't closed with Christ. There are many in that condition, friends. Have you truly sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Don't, don't seek your own kingdom. Don't sing a kingdom and a paradise and a utopia here upon earth. Don't seek your kingdom come. Don't seek your will be done. Seek Christ's kingdom. He will establish his kingdom in your heart today. Seek his kingdom. Prioritize him in every aspect of your life. Not your career. Not what the things that you want out of life. But what he wants for your life. Seek his kingdom first. Seek his salvation first. And then he promises, he makes a promise that he will take care of everything else. Everything else, when you've got his righteousness, covering your unrighteousness through what he has done on the cross, through that promise of everlasting grace, he will take care of everything else. Noah did that. That's why we're told in Genesis 6, 8, and 9 that Noah found grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The everlasting covenant of grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it says, and that he was a just man. Perfect in his generations. Friends, you must find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not in man's eyes. It doesn't matter what this fellow Christian thinks of you or what this amount of people think. That doesn't matter. What matters is if you found grace in the sight of the Lord. I tell you, friends, if this poor mongrel of a man can be saved, anyone can be saved. I remember very vividly, and I'm sorry to repeat this, but I just cannot help it. When this poor man cried out in that, on that toilet, in, on that toilet in Italy, on that train station, I pleaded for the Lord to save me, not out of ignorance. I knew that I was a hell-deserving sinner. I knew that there was a saviour. I couldn't point to the five points of Calvin. I couldn't point to the many things in the Bible. I was a worldling. But one thing I knew, that I was a hell-deserving sinner and I was, going, I was on my way to hell. I knew that. And I pleaded, Lord, save me, save me, please. I pleaded with the Lord on that dirty toilet, on that train station. And I knew the grace of God. I pleaded with knowledge. And by the grace of God, and he saved me, and he changed me. And when I opened that toilet door, and I looked in the mirror... And I'm not going to get charismatic upon you now, but I saw a new man in that mirror. Amen. I saw a new man. I was changed from within by the grace of God. It has to be by the grace of God. There's no back door into heaven, friends. There's no back door to be saved, friends. All other back doors are the devil's doors, straight to hell, friends. I tell you now, many people will try to be saved by their works or by some other thing, added righteousness. Many people will try to be saved, friends. Many people will try to be saved by having one foot in the church 
in the ark and one foot in the world. They'll, ne- they'll, they'll, they'll be almost a Christian. Just as I just need to go to church. If I just go to church, if I just say the Lord's Prayer occasionally, if I just do a few things, as it were, to appease God, as it were, God's no backup plan. He's no backup. He's no afterthoughts. He must have your whole heart, your whole thoughts, your whole life, or nothing. He will not compete with the creature. He must have you all, friends. He came to save and seek that which was lost. All he requires of you is to feel your need of him, that you're a hell-deserving sinner. And if you plead with God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I've rebelled from you in thought and deed and word. I don't deserve your salvation. Remember me. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you plead with the Lord, get right with God today. Don't be a a nominal Christian. Don't be, have God as a backup in your life. He must be your life. you, You must walk by faith in him, in his promises. He must change your life irrevocably. Please don't try to get right with God in any other way but through grace. That's what we saw with Noah. There's no back door into heaven. We're told that Noah was a just man and perfect. There, there's not, this is not saying that Noah was a sinless man. We know that, don't we? Because after the flood, yes, he thanked God, he uh, worshipped God and made atonement for God but he got drunk he fell didn't he he wasn't a, he wasn't a sinless man the Hebrew word here for perfect implies that Noah was spiritually upright as it were he was inwardly perfect because he believed in the saviour Christ and that was accounted to him for righteousness that was credited to his account So God saw him as perfect, spiritually upright, inwardly perfect. And that's the the, the same as as any poor repentant sinner who believes in the Saviour, that he died for all of your sins, past, present and future. He credits his righteousness to your account. So God doesn't see you in all your failures and your sins. We all miss the bullseye of obedience. He sees his precious son's righteousness. And obedience credited to your accounts. So on that day, you will not be found in your own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And friends, he believed in that promise, did he not? And all these things proceeded from grace. Notice that. Grace came first. And all that... Oh, that there were an ark for me to get into. There may be someone, I just want an ark. So I can just get in. I want something physical, as it were. I, can't, I, I, I need something physical to rescue me from God's wrath and, and justice and judgment. Well, friends, there is an ark. There is an ark. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Saviour. Who so loved the world that he gave himself in a personal way. For a sinner like you and me. You can get into that ark today by faith through Christ. If you cry to him in your heart today. There's an ark. Get in it. 
friends. Today is a day of grace. Well, we've to- well we're, we're told in Genesis 6-9 that Noah walked with God. He trusted in God entirely. He walked by faith and not by sight. He hearkened to the word of the living God. He depended daily upon the Lord. Is this true of you and I? Are we walking by faith closely with God every day? Are we serving him in our hearts, in our homes, in the local church, and and how that outpours to society? God never saved any man that did not have a true relationship with him. He saves so that you can have a real relationship with him by faith. So that that relationship will be the greatest relationship in your life. It will mean more than wife and husband and children and so on. You don't have to be a preacher of righteousness like Noah was, friends. You can support the local church. You don't have to be an evangelist. Just supporting the church. Serving the Lord wholeheartedly every day. Building the saints up, praying for them. Being part of the body of Christ. Look at all the New Testament scriptures talking about the importance of being part of a local church. When you separate, when people separate themselves from the church, it's like separating themselves from the body of Christ. We're fitly joined together as Christ as our head to serve him. If you're separating yourself from the body of Christ, it's like a limp man. It's like a a paralyzed man. And other people have to, to, as, as it were, make up for that and this is not only true of the church it's true of the home as well fathers husbands are you taking your responsibility are you leading in your home that means you're not a tyrant your wife is your queen as it were but are you leading when one considers the faith of Noah well it's quite outstanding isn't it the faith of Noah. When God commanded Noah to build that ark because, because of judgment, he had not yet had any children. He had not yet had any children. <laughs> and yet he believed, didn't he? He believed that through him, through him, the promise would come. He hadn't had a child yet, and yet he is there by faith, faith in action, building away, people scoffing at him, No one being saved, as it were, for over 120 years. What great faith. That's the same faith he gives to us. A faith in action, friends. He established his covenant with him. Covenant of grace, dear friends. You know, on the way here today, I saw a number of rainbows. Such a wonderful thing to see a rainbow, isn't it? It's a bow, isn't it? That beautiful, coloured bow. You have scientists... They will tell you, as it were, waffle, those babblers, as it were, oh, the chemicals and all these things. Nonsense. God put that bow there. (laughs) God put that there because he promised, didn't he? When you see that that rainbow, friends, think of the greatest archer and protector, the bow, as it were. He will protect you. He is mighty. Friends, believe in him. Trust in him. Whenever you see that rainbow, if you're going home today and you see a rainbow, God always keeps his promises. He is mighty to save. So friends, we are about to embark upon a new year. 224, if the Lord should tarry. 
I just want to say he can do abundantly above anything that you can think or ask. Don't limit God. Don't limit him for one second in your life. Don't limit him in, in terms of your loved ones and those in familiar circles who are not yet, not yet converted. Don't limit him in, in, in changing many things in your life and how he can use you. Don't limit him in that. We mustn't look within ourselves. We must look outside of ourselves to the Lord who can do abundantly more than we can ask or think. Well, in closing, I'll close with Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Amen. 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 Well, let us... Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.com. .co.uk